0: Hey, welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. We're super excited to start this podcast and pick the brains of some really savvy business people, starting with our very own Scott Wilson. Scott, welcome to the podcast and thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat with me.
1: Awesome. Thanks, love. Great to be here.
0: First question, and we're going to start every episode this way is i want to know what you have been reading watching or listening to at the moment that you would recommend
1: definitely like from a marketing perspective i've been reading a really cool book called fix this We'll Mm -hmm. fix this next. It's a really good book on basically looking at your business and then what areas you need to fix. So definitely from a business perspective, that's a great book. And I've been reading it on my Kindle iPad, but also listening to it as well. I find it really a lot easier to listen and read at the same time. It allows me to get a whole bunch of information in at a quicker pace. But then also they've got a really good evaluation of your business and to show what areas you need to fix next in a business. They've got a really cool online tool that as well so awesome that's what i've been doing
0: cool i want to know what was school like for you
1: school, school <laughs> for me look school was a great place to meet friends it really was like i like went out for dinner on saturday night and you know five six of my best mates from school you know 30 odd years later it was a great place to meet friends and it's a great place for sport probably that was a great place <laughs> for education i was a student and always got a report should do could do better I just didn't understand some of the context of some of the stuff, you know, like The Lord of the Flies and some of the books that they made you read. I didn't really understand why you had to read them and also algebra and all these different things i just didn't i didn't my brain didn't really get what they were going to do for me later on in life so hence i never really tried that hard out of some classes because i was got cricket so i'd say can i need practice (laughs) so they let me practice all in all great place to meet friends and build relationships but not from an educational perspective for myself personally like i'm good at english well (laughs) (laughs) grammar.
0: yeah And did you know what you wanted to be at school? Like, did you know what your journey was going to look like?
1: No. No, it's interesting. Like, you go through those, you go to the counsellor and the teacher or, Days where they show you what you could do, and yeah I left school not really knowing what I was going to do. Yeah, like I wasn't fearful that I wouldn't know what I want to do. Yeah, I always wanted to travel, um, so that was kind of a big one for me. I did start doing hospitality. Uh, I did a course in hospitality once I left school. That was good. It was fun. And then there was a next level of that was a three-year diploma in hospitality management. So I started year one and quickly realised there was no room for individuality inside some of these places. Like you were definitely, you were told what to do and that was it. I didn't really yeah. like that. I didn't really like the whole, I could see other ways of doing stuff that, you know, probably would have made them more money. They were a little bit more exciting and no one would, they wouldn't listen to you. So I was kind of like, oh, this is quite stuffy. Yeah. Unless of course you're owned, you know, in a place. So yeah.
0: I think it's quite like that in a lot of places, you know, when it comes to education is that there's probably a little bit of a less of a focus on the individual and the individual skills, right? Because you've yeah. got to do things how they say it and yeah. what's important to them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And look, I get it when you're running big hotels and stuff that i worked in. And saying that, like, I I did learn quite a bit around selling and engaging with people and how to make people feel really comfortable and, you know, happy. I guess I'm quite natural when it comes to being hospitable towards people, you know. So that was cool, kind of cool. But yeah, Yeah. definitely coming out of school, it was like no idea.
0: From those early days of finishing school, we're not really sure you know, where you're gonna end up or what your path's gonna look like. What has your business journey been to where you are now?
1: I remember being overseas and remember I went I was working for a guy, had his own building company, and he was a legendary man. And a friend of mine, I was living with nine girls in a flat, and he knew the girls and he came to stay when he got over there. And he became a really good mate and still is today. And we worked for this guy. And I'll never forget we went to we made him quite a bit of money. we were gonna go we were going to Spain and he said to me, he took me and Dino to the bookshop, he said, look, quite a bit to do in Mallorca, but at the same time we've got a lot of downtime, so go let to go get some books. And I was like, ah, oh, I didn't even hear what he really said. I mean, we just ended up in this bookshop hey, in London. And I was like, why the hell are we here? So he goes, because you know we're gonna get some books to read. And I was like, and it took me straight back to school and I was like, oh
0: back to Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, I was like,
1: and he pulled me aside he said, Scott, you can read anything you want to read right? You can choose a book, whatever you want. And that was a real foreign thing for me. It was like, wow, oh, you can choose. For that, it was just like, you know, you were told to read all this stuff. So I kind of ignored reading because of that, right, through school. I opened up my eyes. And I remember reading a book by a guy called Dennis Robin, bad as I want to be. Fascinating read of a, of a guy who played basketball. It's just quite motivational. From then on, I read a whole bunch of books and then came back to New Zealand after traveling the world and Having a great old time, I started working for a company called Bond & Bond, selling appliances. And that, to me, I learned a lot. And one of the key things I learned there was showing people how they could afford to buy stuff. When I first started working there, it was post-data checks. So they'd write three post-data checks. And then six months interest-free came in, and 12 months interest-free, it was just unbelievable. Computers started coming out. So we were just like trucking these computers out. It was unbelievable how much we were selling. Came high up, top three in New Zealand. Again, I really enjoyed that. And it was, I found it quite um, rewarding, you know, selling people really nice new TV or they come in with a, they're wanting a house lot. It was really, and it was quite quickly how you could meet someone, you know, they come in the door, you build a rapport and the next minute they're walking out with, you know, sometimes 15, 20 grand worth of equipment, right? Yeah. Like it was unbelievable how quickly that, I really fell in love talking to people, helping them out, selling to them. So that really got me going into the world. My biggest change in how I got into business was when I was working, in, once again, in the corporate world, and I met these two guys, and they had, I looked up a group of resellers throughout New Zealand, they had, they had like 10, you know, everyone else had one or two, and these guys had 10, and I just, I wanted to find out why, and that's when I got introduced to like direct response type marketing, yep. and then from then on, I went into Australia, learned a whole bunch of stuff, paid to learn, paid to ed- educate yeah. myself on all things about direct response, and then advertising. that's pretty much how I got going.
0: Yep. So when, after you learned about direct response and, you know, went out and educated yourself and sourced awesome training, what were the next steps for you then in starting your business and working out where you, I guess, wanted to sit?
1: One of the biggest things I found was, so when I was working in the corporate world, I was working in the sales area, started looking after a group of resellers throughout New Zealand. So I looked after probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 different business owners around, around New Zealand they would put money into the marketing fund and work for a big corporate. And the corporate marketing team, I would go to them and say, oh, hang on, what are we doing? Like, are we tracking any our? Because my guys are putting money in. And then I'd ask, are you guys tracking any of this? Because I could see how these guys have got 10 garages because they were tracking everything. Yeah,
0: right. They were
1: measuring their advertising. Like, Give them a dollar. They knew where it was going. And I was like, okay, cool. So I just started asking the corporate marketing guys, oh, so what are you guys doing to track? And pretty much they told me to go away. They were like really rude. And then I found out they were actually outsourcing to an agency. So they were actually weren't even doing half the stuff. Eh? It was like, it was actually, but that's the way the corporate world worked back then. Yep. You know, there was a lot of outsourcing and a lot of, just a lot of fat in that whole system. Mm-hmm. But it made me realize that the way marketing was being done at that level, because like this is a top 10 company, it didn't work for smaller businesses. You know, it didn't work type of branding, reinforcement type advertising without. Having some offers and all that type of stuff in place didn't work. So what I decided to do was to build up. I started working part-time on my uh, advertising and copywriting sort of business. And pretty much just started to learn more, picked up a couple clients, and then basically decided to go full-time one day because I, I kind of had enough clients part-time. Yeah. And um, so then I left, drew a line in the sand down on Monica, walked over it, ran up my boss, and resigned. Also. And never looked back. Cool started my own own stuff and yeah. Yeah.
0: Sweet. If you could go back to Scott in that time, Mm. so you're thinking of resigning from your corporate role, you're thinking of going out on your own, what are the top three things you would tell yourself that you need to know in order to be successful in business?
1: Yeah. First one straight away comes to mind and save up six months worth of operating revenue. If I could go back, I'd only save three. Right. Because I got lazy. You got money in the bank. You're never as hungry. If I could go back... And the second thing when I go back is I would straight away, which a lot of people fall into this trap, is I put money, when every time I got money, I would split it into different accounts. Yeah, I'll put in profit straight in. This is what I do now. I profit straight in. I've got my tax all straight into different accounts. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd done that back in the day because you fall into the trap as a business owner sometimes that you see the money in your account and you just think it's yours. And early on, you get yourself into trouble, because especially when you don't pay tax the first year, but you end up paying double. There's a lot of things that you just, no one tells you, right? I'm no. Green is the hills, man. But there are two things I'd do straight away. Uh, and the other thing is I would invest in a coach a lot faster. The more money I've made in my business is when I've got around coaches and people, next level coaches. Yeah, cool. That's something i you know. Yeah,
0: because it's important to surround yourself, right, with like-minded people and people on your journey that can help you out. And I guess not only that you can learn from, but that are willing to support you and be in your corner as well.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. you know, really, just good conversation with a guy the other day. You know, it just helps you see the like. He talked about the weeds from the trees, yeah. you know, and like just getting someone just a bit able to talk to. You yeah. yeah, we can find free mentors and all that sort of stuff, but I've always found when you pay, you pay attention. Uh-huh. Um, so definitely paying to have someone you can talk to run ideas through and run them past and you know, just get some good external even say accountability Real.
0: yeah that was actually um, my next question yeah. is having accountability would be important when you're going out on your own for the first time right having mm. someone not not because you're lazy or anything like that but when you're doing everything yourself it's probably easy to miss things and things to fall through the cracks but, and
1: yeah yeah accountability is quite an interesting one no one really wants it but most people need it you know and that's Sometimes you just got to get out of your own way and just realise, hey, that, you know, it's not a bad thing for someone to come in and check on you. It's, you know, I've seen it because I've helped owners now and I've been involved with the accountability side. Some people thrive on it. Some people actually, it doesn't matter what you say, they're probably still not going to follow through. Yeah. So in saying that, it's great when people do follow through. I like working with those types of people because people that you really help are the people that get the best results. Yeah. Cool. It's, um, it's a good thing in business to, to be accountable. And even if it's just, you know, like I've got an individual mastermind where I catch up every 90 days with a group of entrepreneurs, you know, even that, just that accountability alone, every second week on the call as well. So,
0: Cool.
1: You kind of know that that's happening, so you become very focused.
0: Awesome. What has been one of your biggest successes or proudest moments in business? Is there anything that comes to mind that you're like, that's something I'm really stoked with? This. Oh,
1: yeah, like even recently, created a course online. I've always wanted to create a course and involved in it. And, you know, the speed at which we did that, turned that around inside the, the lockdown. Yes. That's something that comes to mind recently. really proud of, of how, as a team, we came together and, and delivered something really world-class. And that, for me, is is the future of where we're going to go. And for us to be able to do that in a time where a lot of people were freaking out, and rightly so, uh, we were able to come together and actually help some people do something really, really cool. And I think that's just showed me caliber of the people we have in our team, but also the caliber of people we attract. Yeah, definitely. Like that we do attract really cool business owners. We attract those innovators, which is really awesome. So and the learning curve of selling Page One Media, which was a company I had, you know, that was a really selling a business, a great learning curve. Learn a lot from that. Learn a lot right from the having a business partner, having kind of different expectations and handling of the way that whole process works and stuff. It was a good experience. And then the cool part is I then contracted back to the guy that bought the company, which was pretty awesome, right?
0: On page one, let's actually touch on that quickly. So that was a SEO company that you started and built up.
1: Yeah, Search Engine Optimization. Yeah, as well.
0: Cool. And obviously that's a pretty, I mean, it's somewhat similar in terms of the digital space. It's a pretty different industry to what we do now. How did you pivot, for lack of a better word, from the SEO game to working in Facebook?
1: Look, I just saw, um, one, I had a restrained trade, yep. so I couldn't. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I was at home. I was at home, just had a little boy, actually. Louis was born, sold the company. I was already, wasn't really doing much because Louis was born. And, but and I was, you had to be a dad
0: for a bit, right? Yeah. Which is yeah, it was, the greatest job you can be. It was pretty
1: awesome, actually, because you yeah. like, have to work. No. But then a few people started contact me about you know, writing some ads, writing some copy, that type of stuff, which was still allow you know, that's I could still do that. I just couldn't do search engine optimization or Google ads. I started picking up a couple of consulting gigs. That kind of one or two things snowballed from there. I remember talking to a guy in America. I was like, holy crap, Like Facebook is like, that's where it's going to be.
0: What year was this? It have been
1: seven years ago, okay. so 2.13, 2.12,
0: 2.13.
1: I was like, Faith, this is Facebook. This is going to be the playground. And I was like, I started talking to him about it. And he was a real smart entrepreneur as far as what he had done. And some businesses that he'd built up and sold and stuff. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Got involved in that. And like, to be fair, probably started that company 16, 18 months too early. You know, right. Facebook wasn't really, the advertising platform wasn't really that well known.
0: Yeah. In New Zealand, you mean?
1: Yeah, in New Zealand. Like, yeah. it was too. It was pretty new. You know, people were still very much involved in that traditional advertising. Where now that's completely flipped, right? Like, more, mm-hmm. and more people are advertising online than ever. You know, that's where I saw the opportunity. The thing I loved about both of those industries, though, both of the digital spaces, the transparency, and we talk about this a lot, but the transparency is what I really love for business owners. You know, like, they can actually spend a dollar and know where that dollar went. And also, if it didn't go that well, like, you can actually see why it didn't go that well. And I think for a lot of business owners, even, like, talking to a business owner the other day, and they were saying, oh, you know, the myth about, you know, 50% 50 of my advertising doesn't work, and what does and I was like, well that's just crap. That's just because you're not tracking it right. Like mm-hmm. don't buy an old belief. You don't yeah. fool yourself into thinking that's true. Yeah. Because it's not true. That was actually made up by John Wanamaker in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, right. So, but it's amazing how a myth has become like folklore and advertising because there was no transparency. Well, there should be transparency. well there is transparency now. Sadly in some companies, as we've seen recently, they don't actually put it in for their clients, so the clients mm-hmm. are spending money and don't know where it's going. So it's our job to educate the marketplace on, on that and show them that they can, you know, a pretty good setup around tracking, know where their money's been spent. So.
0: Cool. And you kind of touched on there, I mean, around tracking, you talked about traditional media and how that kind of flipped in terms of people's spends. But do you think there's still a place for businesses using traditional media?
1: Oh, I totally. The one thing I reckon business owners have got to understand is they're not their client, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of businesses do things um, biased onto what they think, And I always tell people, hey, you're not the marketplace. You don't buy from yourself. So it's a fairly good knowing of who is your client and where are they, you know, and where they hang out. And then you've got to put some good offers in place and in place to actually get in front of those people. Now, if those people are on a radio station, then why wouldn't you advertise there? If you've got a way of tracking it, why wouldn't you advertise there? If those people are then reading a magazine of some sort, and you can get in front of them, and you can track that with an offer and stuff, then why wouldn't you get in front of them, you know? People that just say, oh, it's all digital these days, yeah, I agree, you should be spending a good amount of your money there because of how cheap it is, right? Like, your bank of bark is amazing. But at the same time, if you know your numbers, and this is the thing I think, something really as I start to look at where we can help business owners next, is the understanding of the numbers is crucial in marketing. Uh, And understanding your numbers, I think... A lot of business owners don't understand their numbers. They don't understand, you know, what it costs or what they're prepared to pay to get a new lead in the door, what they're prepared to pay to get a sale, what they make on that sale, what they make on, is there a potential to make it more on the back end of that sale? Because if you know all those numbers, the more I start asking business owners, you know, the more I realize they don't know. And that's not their fault. It's just that it, no one's probably drilled in you know, and worked with them enough on those numbers. Mm-hmm. That's where you can really win when it comes to advertising too. Because if you know, hey, I can spend, you know, $340 to get a new client and your competitor's not tracking it, chances are they're going to dip out at 100 Reverse going all the way to get, you know, increase their ad spend. So yeah. that's, I reckon, the power. As the market becomes more competitive, because as it will become more competitive, more businesses will spend money on these platforms but it's the ones that are tracking and measuring everything now. As you've seen, the, these platforms, you know, especially digital, et cetera, they only have so much inventory to sell. So the costs, it'll go up. Now, you've got to then make your advertising work, even though those costs are high. So the only yeah. way to do that is to really know your numbers and dial your numbers in.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think knowing your numbers is incredibly important, obviously, no matter what field you're in. But, you know, I know that we see in our industry, in some fields, you know, you can pay. <laughs> $13, 14 for a Google click, even more sometimes. Well, so know,
1: Some of them acquire $38 a click. Yeah. You know, if you don't know your numbers on that, then, you know, that's pretty, we always say at a seminar, hey, if you, would you pay $38? Everyone puts their, no one puts their hands up. No. You know, but the guy that's the smart guy in the room is paying $38 a click and he's killing it. Yeah, totally. You know, but because he knows the numbers. It's not for the faint hearted. That sort of stuff, right? Because it can blow out pretty quickly. Yeah. You have to know your numbers. You have to know what you're prepared to pay. And then test the measure and trust, you know? A couple of good examples of clients we've got at the moment. Pretty high volume moving numbers and small changes, as I say, small hinges swing big doors by changing some ad creative, video creative, how much the ad costs or the, the acquisition costs come down, you know? Yeah. But you wouldn't know that if unless you started measuring that from the start, right? Totally.
0: Yeah. Completely agree. You kind of touched on before the fact that, you know, obviously, and there's a term that everyone loves to use at the moment, that we're in unprecedented times and we did have the lockdown and the way that we work, we were lucky enough to be able to, you know, move quite quickly Mm. and set up an online course. But there's a lot of business owners at the moment who might be feeling a bit anxious a bit fearful there's a lot going on in the mm. world so what is something that you learned from the lockdown slash COVID-19 crisis that you could share with people
1: so for me I've been thinking about this actually and just like talking to a few other business owners about it but one of the things I've been saying to people is hey look just play what's in front of you." Mm. you know I remember playing cricket and playing some of the best bowlers you know playing Shane, um, Shane Bond quite a bit he's a mate from school but played against them quite a bit and I remember. Um, Playing against them one day, and Chris Kenzie was out there, and he played for us. And Bonnie was, was bowling really, really fast. And Kenzie told me as he as I came in, and he said, "Look, mate, you're gonna have to trust your instinct and play what's in front of you, because things are happening so fast. You just have to concentrate <laughs> on that one thing. Yeah, and, and like just trust your instinct, but and play what's in front of you. Don't try to preempt anything. Bowling that quick. And so I, I think that's the time right now. Is you ha- just have to play what's in front of you. Yep, sure. You've you got to look at the marketplace. And You've got to get your inputs from people that you trust and respect, not inputs from any Tom, Dick, and Harry on Facebook or yeah, in think. the news media with agendas and stuff. Like, Get it from people that you trust. So right now I'm talking to our best clients, you know, guys that I really respect, and asking them, hey, so what do you think? Where do you see the market? You know, some friends that own businesses, guys in my mastermind, hey, what are you guys saying? Getting inputs from those people. Because one, they're in the marketplace, they're spending their own money in and around what's going on. So that's something very conscious of at the moment. is playing what's in front of me. And also you don't know what the market's gonna do. You know, who says, Oh yeah, we know what's gonna do. The GFC wouldn't have happened if that had happened, right? And then mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the earthquakes, you know, like far out. No one expected that. But with dealt with all that stuff. One of the key things to learn from the earthquakes is you don't actually have to go through this alone. And that's why get in around good people get in around people you trust and just limit your contact with naysayers and with people that don't be listening to the radio get around people that have been through it and know what they're doing keep focused on what you want to achieve as well i think that's real important right now like for me i meditate in the mornings come to work early meditate half an hour on you know working on what i'm wanting to achieve you know
0: I think as well like you know we and it's something that we've discussed that while we might not have faced global pandemic before and and, you know been in lockdown we've definitely been through things like the earthquake and like the recession and we're able to draw from our experiences a little bit there because while it might be you know a really different situation there are similar learnings from it that people can take away.
1: Yeah and I think that whole the one for me was you don't have to do it alone. The earthquake yeah. was a big example of that. Pulled together a mastermind group in that, and it was really useful for a lot of business owners to come together to help each other, support each other, because they are difficult times. You definitely see the companies that lead the way through this sort of stuff. There's companies that run for the hills, or businesses that run for the hills, and there's companies that lead the way. So, you know, we're definitely seeing that here. The hard part of this one is it's affecting everyone, right? So that is the incredible unknown. But you just got to control what you can control. You yeah know? and also you know that was something i learned in the earthquakes as well something my dad taught me as well is make those hard decisions yeah because um, if you don't get that's where you get into trouble
0: and you touched on before you know learn from the earthquakes that you don't have to go through this alone and the importance mm-hmm. of surrounding yourself with like-minded people and getting your information from good sources and is that one of the reasons that you wanted to launch a mastermind group of our own kicking off in july I think that we kind of saw from the course, right, that people came for the content, but the reason, a lot of them came for the community, and, you know, we ended up catching up for coffee and stuff, which wasn't actually originally part of the plan, but, you know, people wanted to be around other people, which was really cool, and it's not something that we actually kind of expected at the
1: start, especially because we did launch it when we were all locked in our houses, so. Well, yeah, let's be honest, we launched it at home. Seven weeks later, eight weeks later, we're catching up with people, you know, at a cafe, And it was pretty amazing to see. You know, they came for the content, but they stayed for the community, and that was the guess. That's that is the beauty of doing stuff like this. You can create a real cool community. And I was just telling telling someone in the weekend. You know, remember going and listening to Ryan Dice last year in America, and he said, you know, community is a new brand. Bringing people together is a great thing for your brand. So definitely, it's inspiring to see people. You know, like that as well. Show you the A to Z, and really allow then go and ask better questions of the people that are doing their work. Whether it's the business owner who's employed someone, yep. whether it's the someone who's been employed and working with the business owner, because that's awesome as well, because then they can educate the business owner. So if you've got someone that you want to help them become a better marketer so your business can become better at marketing, then the other the type of people we want. But then also I want the ability to then go and ask the agencies that they're dealing with questions so there's no land of the blind yeah you know yeah, yeah it's like hang on we should be doing it this way or we should be doing it this way you know a good example was when we had the other day now this company is a google partner they have been dealing with this company the company's been spending you know four to five figures a month no transparency now we've stopped that now with one good conversation because here's what the expectation should be that's good for everyone right mm-hmm. it's good for the business owner it's actually good for the agency too because They'll have a bit of experience with the client that's the hope for us and just create smarter oh goal I said it in the course you're all now part-time marketers yep. and it's quite cool to hear some of them come back and say hey we really enjoyed the fact that you allowed us to be part-time marketers so I more business owners, I will become part-time marketers. Awesome.
0: And, yeah, one of our core values in the business, right, is influence through education. And I guess that's what we are wanting to do through the mastermind. It's what we did through the course yeah. that we started during lockdown. And it's something that you touched on right back at the start of the episode when you talked about the fact that you've invested quite heavily in training in yourself yeah. and in your team. If people were wanting to look for resources other than the mastermind, I guess educate themselves or, you know, other smart marketers, who would you recommend that people look at?
1: So Ryan Dice, straight away comes to mind. He's been a big influence in what I do. Yeah. Mainly because Ryan talks, he's like, they talk, what's on the box is actually in the box, (laughs) you know, when it comes to Ryan and his team at Digital Marketer. Big fans of those guys. Big fan of Donald Miller and everything he does with StoryBrand and their whole movement there. Really, I love learning from him. Because once again, what's in the box, on the box, is in the box. Yeah, yeah. And so so those two uh, come real clear for me. Frank Kern being been a big one for me, copywriting-wise. Over the years, I've learned a lot from Frank. I've learned a lot from Dan Kennedy. Played a make Peace, A whole bunch of T.Here's a whole bunch of copywriters. Old-school copywriters is a good thing to learn from. Getting that grounding in the psychology, I think, is massively missing. Mm-hmm. And then be ruthless around it. Like, you have to be. You actually have to be ruthless. Like the first hour of my day is mine, pretty much. First hour yeah. and a half. No email. Go to the gym. I talk to people at the gym and we have fun all that sort of stuff. I might listen to my podcast. Purely for me. Mm-hmm. That for me is about me being selfish. But if I don't, then… Yeah, it
0: the sets rest- you up for a good day, right? It's the so foundation of
1: what… Yeah. yeah. So I've learned how to do it, but I've had the desire to want to do it as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that's
1: the key. So if you want to do it, if you want to be better at this sort of stuff, You'll go and learn from people. You know? You'll go and listen and learn from other people that are doing stuff. Success leaves clues, right? So if someone's doing that sort of thing, it's worked for them. I've got a mate, who's he's really successful, never writes goals. I asked him about it. He's a mate in Australia. And he was like, oh, you know, he just gets the whole Tony Robbins stuff. He just <laughs> understands it and then just, right, okay, I know what I need to do. You know? cool. Some people yeah. get it. and Some people, like me, have to write stuff down and have a system. And some people just don't do anything. It's just what it works for you.
0: Last question. As you know, you said there, success leaves close. Mm. What does success look like for you on a business level, but also on a personal level?
1: Yeah, good question. I, like For me, it's definitely bringing other people along with the journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so helping to educate uh, business owners, helping them win. That's a real like, success for me. Me doing my best work when it comes to educating and helping people is a real like that's, I get a real kick out of that. Like money's a byproduct of adding the value. And I really see that more now. Uh, something I learned this year, especially with the start of the COVID is I'm probably not selling my asset the right way. And now I've seen a glimpse of what I could do. That mm-hmm. makes me quite exciting. You know, owning a business, It makes you just a shareholder. I'm a majority shareholder in a small business. That's people say I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a guru. <laughs> I'm freaking a business owner. I'm a yeah. hustler. No, you're not. You're just a shareholder in a business and some of it you might own all of it. You're 100% shareholder in a small business. Proud to be a shareholder in a business. Proud to bringing other people into the business where I can help them, mentor them, that type of stuff. So for me, that business, you know, being around cool people is a success. I love the fact that to hang out with some of our clients and real, just real cool people. Like It's just a dream become the work, and like you get to do good shit. Like, yeah. Some people go to work every day, and they freaking hate it. Like, <laughs> What's the point? You yeah. know, I get it. I've been in that. But so then, you know, for, for me personally, this is seeing you know, your family grow up, being able to have a little boy and being able to help him and helping my wife with her business. And family is a big part of that. And that's why I think own a business, be a shareholder in a business, but build it around what you want to achieve so you can actually help your family. I heard something really cool the other day when I was actually meditating. And that um, money is here to help me live the life I love. And I thought a great takeaway and something that I think is, okay, well, what is the life I want to love? You know, so that's what I'll work on now is, okay, well, money's here to do that. I can add value to people to make money and create money. But what do I love doing? Awesome. You know? Yeah. And you're pretty filled, right? Life is definitely t- to do shit you don't want to do. You know? Nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're really lucky to work for you and really grateful because you're an incredible mentor to us, but also to so many other business owners. So, thank you for giving up an hour of your time to let me pick your brains a little bit. If people want to see more from you, hear more from you, find out more about the mastermind, where should they go? What are the next steps?
1: Definitely go to our website, getdigitalinfluence.com. We'll have all the information there. we've got events coming up, we've got seminars. We run nationwide seminars. Where you can come along, we'll give you some good free information. And then, if you want to join our nice join great to if you think it can help you survive and thrive in the next few years, you need to be involved. So, yeah, we really appreciate it. We're going to educate people, that's our mission, it's mm-hmm. our vision. Yeah, that's where most people can get a hold of us. We'll have everything on that website. So,
0: awesome, and we'll obviously pop it in the show notes as well. But thank you very much for an hour of your time, and we look forward to talking to you on the next episode of Marketing for Business. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. We also have a Facebook group, which I'll pop in the show notes as well, which is Marketing for Business, and we provide heaps of awesome content and free information there, and you can talk to other like-minded business owners.